0: Um, so, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm, I'm Ryan, I'm the worship pastor here. Um, thanks, Eric, for leading this morning for me. Um, here's, here's what happened. For those of you who, who haven't heard and don't know about this, um, Cherie, Tom's wife, uh, her grandmother passed away late last Sunday night uh, a week ago, and so um, it's kind of a last-minute thing, but they asked Tom to, to fly down there, there in New Orleans, um, and to speak at the, at the service. And so, that was yesterday, and he was like, I can't make it back in time, um, which I don't blame him. So uh, Ryan Ryan Johnson, our youth pastor, he's downstairs doing a life group uh, leaders meeting, and so um, it, that kind of left me. And so so this is a, this is kind of a first. Um, this is a new thing. I realize um, you don't get to see me in this capacity. Um, well, so far we haven't, and so uh, it's going to be a little bit different today. I, I just want to just upfront let you know it's going to be a little bit different. Um, um, and I want you guys to um, to understand it's. For some of you, it might be a little weird, or maybe a little bit awkward, um, some of the things we're going to do. Because at the end, we're going to talk um, about response and worship, and we have a few different things that we're going to do. And so I'll go over that a little bit later. Um, but I just want to encourage you this morning um, uh, that this will be a little bit different, and it's not going to be traditional. I'm not going to speak for 45 minutes, um, so, so you, can, you can be glad about that. Um, and we'll get you out of here as soon as we can. Um, just a couple things before I dive in, uh, announcement-wise. Um, tonight women uh the christmas tea is from four to six um here at bethany okay and so um i don't think there's a there's a sign up or a fee or anything like that there's a suggested donation uh, but if you're a woman and you would like to come be a part of that um a bunch of the different churches from town are involved in doing things and there's going to be some music and some speaking and some tea i assume um so anyway if that's you you're welcome to be here that's a free event for you um Next week, uh, two things. Next Sunday morning, uh, we're going to have a baptism service. Um, and so if that's you, if, if you've accepted Christ but maybe never followed him in baptism, um, and you're curious about that, the implications of that, and, and you're wanting to maybe be a part of that, um, come talk to me afterwards. Um, you can get, get a hold of Tom throughout the week. See Ryan. See Ryan. Talk to any of us, and we'd love to give you more information on what that looks like. Uh, and then the last thing, or no, two more things. Christmas party, uh, next Sunday night. So after the baptism service, um, that'll be here also at 530. Um, and that's kind of a, I said last week, it's kind of an all skate. That's everybody. That's our college students. We wanted to do that uh, before they took off for the holidays for Christmas. Um, so that's everybody. Um, that's our whole church. And I have a sign-up sheet that I'm just going gonna, gonna to get going and pass it around um, for the Christmas banquet if you're interested in helping with food and different things like that. So I'll send this around. And um, if you're willing to help out or able to, that would be awesome. So, um, okay, last thing I got. Um, Ann, go ahead and stand up for me. This is Ann Miranda back here. Everybody say hi, Ann. Ann is from our most local uh, YWAM base in Cimarron, just up the highway a little bit. Um, And she is here this morning. She's got a booth set up out here. Um, And especially, we don't have a ton in this service, but for our college students, um, she just wants to get a chance. She's got some great um, resources, literature, information about... um, Getting plugged in with YWAM for their discipleship, um, their discipleship training and their missions training, they have, a, um, they have a, a period of time where you can go up there and you can serve and you can learn and grow and be disciples and do all that stuff. And so for some of the college students, I realized this time of year, you're kind of going, oh, okay, got one more semester. What am I going to do this summer? So we figured this is a great option. Um, the Costa Rica team that we took the students to this last summer, we worked with YWAM. I've done stuff with YWAM in the past. It stands for Youth with a Mission. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome organization. So talk to her this morning if you're interested um, at all in getting any more information on that. So thank you for being here. Awesome. Cool. Um, so I want to start off um, by kind of introducing the topic this morning and um, and then talking a little bit about um, about that in my life and what that looks like. Yeah, children. I'm sorry. I even have that written down right here. It says, dismiss children. Later on, Chris is going to call me and be like, dude, come on. I'm just kidding. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, man. Have fun, guys. All right. No response. Um, so this morning, um, I want to talk to you some about about an issue and unpack an issue that um, obviously I'm, I'm passionate about. About and called to, and so we're going to talk about worship. Um, I realized last week we, we started off our um, incarnation series for the for the Christmas season. Um, when when everything kind of happened with Tom and I had the opportunity um, to speak this morning, um, I haven't had much opportunity aside from like little short periods between songs to do some extended teaching and and, and speaking about this topic of worship. Um, and so this morning we're going to do that. We're going to kind of dive in. We're going to unpack that a little bit. Um, I want to. Um, just talk real quick about what that looks like in my life. Um, I grew up here in Gunnison um, and so it 's a little bit weird um, being back and preaching, especially in a place you grew up because um, you know in adolescent years i 'm kind of a messed up kid and so anyway so it 's fun now um, to be to be preaching and i don 't know there may be some people in here that remember me. I know the masks um, from when I was younger, but um, I grew up here in Gunnison grew up in church, grew up in youth group. Um, from a young age, I was baptized. Um, I loved God, but I I never really like really got it, like understood what that meant and the implications of that for my life. Um, and so I grew up here halfway through my junior year of high school. My parents were like, Hey, we're going to move to Canyon city. And so we move over to Canyon city and that's actually where I graduated high school from. Um, but throughout my entire life, I come from a musical family. My, My mother, um, uh, of course, I'm biased. She's one of the best piano players I've ever heard. Um, it's, it's weird, because I'm not, like, a music reader, but you could give, like, anything to her. You can put it down in front of her, and then, like, give her a tempo, and she's, like, off to the races. So she, she accompanied the the high school and the college choirs and everything when we lived here. So come from a musical family. Music was always... Um, I'm kind of a big part of my life. I was part of all the choirs and the show choirs. Uh, I also loved athletics. And so my parents ruined that for me when they got me a guitar uh, in, in eighth grade. And so they got me a guitar. I dedicated my time to that. I, I then I picked up piano through that also um, and started playing and, and I loved it. And I always kind of had like this thing, like I was like, man, I, I would really love to pursue music beyond, um, beyond high school, beyond college as a career. Um, but in my heart, it was always more kind of like a performance thing. Um, well, it turns out I'm not good enough for that. So that's cool. Um, but so, so what happened is I I graduate high school and I'm kind of looking for direction, uh, traditional schooling, college, things like that. It it just didn't go so well for me in high school. I did graduate by the skin of my teeth, but, um, so, so here I am going, okay, what am I, what am I going to do with my life? What does this look like for me? And so I, I go to this worship conference, um, And they talked about the school of worship that they were going to be launching in Colorado Springs at New Life Church. And just for clarity, yes, that is Ted Haggard's church. Um, And yes, I know Ted Haggard, and he's actually a great guy, Um, and he... He just found himself in a situation where his flesh got the best of him. And so um, I, love, I love the family there and, and praying for them through all that still that they're going through. But um, So in 2003, they launched this school of worship. Um, and it was a 10-month program designed to go and to study this issue of worship um, and what it looks like. And not just the musical aspect, um, but that was a big part of it too. They, did, they had like personal training in um, whatever area, guitar, vocals, things like that. So we did that. And we also spent a lot of time in the Word um, looking at worship and kind of unpacking that like we're going to do this morning. And so I did that. Um, I was 19. I was young. I was like, awesome. I'm, I'm ready to dive into ministry. And so, um, so I get on you know, and look at all the, the job postings online. And I find this church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And they're looking for a youth worship leader. And I was like, perfect, because I'm still young. I don't know how, like, the reaction with, you know, the, the adults would be. I love, you know, doing worship, and the youth, and the energy, and all that. So I went down there. It was a large church, and I think that's partly what really drew me to it. Um, I went down there, didn't do diligence in, in kind of figuring out where they stood as a church, and, and what, what, they, what they stood for, and the doctrine, and things like that. And so it ended up kind of being a mess, um, but it was a great learning experience. Um, and through that, what I learned is, man, like, like the music part is coming along, um, but I need some more training in, in the word. And so uh, so Elise and I got married um, just a little bit after that, and we moved to, to Joplin, Missouri, where um, I went to, to Ozark Christian College, and I was working, um, I was doing like bachelors of literature, biblical literature, and then with music involved in that also, and did a lot of things. Um, ended up getting hired at a church, uh, did an internship and then got hired at a different church there in Joplin um, for doing worship, and so um, that's kind of that's kind of where like God has taken me on this journey. And it goes a lot longer. My my call to worship um, came. God really changed my heart. I did a, a Colorado statewide music competition. Um, that was held in, in Canyon City, and I won, and so they flew me out to St. Louis to be on like Three Angels Broadcasting Network, um, and to talk about music, and to play, and stuff like that. It was really cool, um, but through that, like, it started to really kind of pump me up, and my head started to get big. I was like, oh, sweet, and so I get on, and I'm like, hey, there's, there's a competition just like this, but it's in Nashville. Man, if I can take Colorado, I can take Nashville, and so and so here I am. This This is backing up a little bit. This is when I was 18 or 19, and so um, I fly out to Nashville by myself, um, and I walk in, and it's held at, at the embassy suites, and it was the embassy music competition for Christian artists. And so I walk in, and the first day, I'm just kind of checking it out, feeling everything out, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to just kind of walk around and see if I can scope out the competition. So I walk around a little bit, and sure enough, I see this this girl, um, and she's kind of sitting over in the corner of the lobby, and she's got her guitar, and she's just kind of sitting there picking. And so I make my way over, and I'm like, hey, uh, are you here for this music thing? And she's like, she's like, yeah. I was like, cool. And so in my mind, I'm like, man, like, if my only competition is 14-year-old girls, I've got it made. And so, um, so I was like, well, why don't you play something for me? And so this girl, uh, she's like, oh, okay. So she starts playing and singing. And I'll tell you what, I have never in my life heard um, such amazing sound. It was incredible, and it blew me away, and it was at that second, and the whole rest of the week kind of followed suit. Everybody else that came and performed was so incredible. There was one guy, his name was R.J. Helton. He was actually, uh, like, the fourth runner-up on the first season of American Idol. Uh, I got to hang out with him and get to know him a little bit, um, but just these amazing musicians, um, and that was the first time God was like, okay, like, this is your lesson in humility. I think at every point in everybody's life, there, there comes a time when you've got to have like, that lesson in humility. And for me, that was it. Um, but I was like, man, like, I stink. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this. And so I was actually going like, to pursue law enforcement. And then uh, through the work of, of a former youth pastor, and, um, pastor he kind of worked with me and brought me around. And God really, through that, started to shift my heart and change my heart. Um, for worship ministry, instead of pursuing anything for um, for performance, and so I just wanted to kind of give just a little bit of background, really quick, and share that with you. That's kind of where I'm coming from. And so when I speak this morning, um, it's been my prayer all week that um, that none of my words are getting are getting through when we kind of dive into this. So I want to pray, um, and then we'll we'll kind of get going. Um, so let's pray. God, thank you so much. Um, for this morning and for this opportunity to be up here and to share my heart, um, God. And, and again, it's my prayer that, that you would just move me out of the way, God, and that you would use me this morning, that you would just speak, that your words would get through, God, and that your, that your knowledge and that your love and your grace um, and what you would like for people to hear would get through this morning, God, and nothing, nothing that I do would be a part. Um, God, I thank you so much for worship. I thank you for, um, for that being the purpose that we're made. God, and, and I, um, I love you this morning. I thank you for these people. Just bless our time together this morning as we unpack your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's the thing. This is going to be a little bit unique and, and maybe a little bit weird at first. Um, here's what I did. I think the first important thing is to kind of define worship. And so what I did is I went online and I pulled up Wikipedia, and this is what Wikipedia has to say about it. It says the English word worship comes from worth script. Middle English, and from worth Scripe, Anglo-Saxon. The root meaning of the word is worthy, honorable. Plus the suffix ship, which refers to the state or quality. Thus, the word worship originally referred to as a state of honor or dignity. Okay, so what they're basically saying is, um, it's the same as like when we address like your honor, um, you know, in the court system or something like that. Originally, the British magistrates they would call your worship, and so Americans in our present day, it's like saying your honor. Um, but it's important to note that um, in the absolute sense, the term worship is applied to God and, and that meaning of worship. And so as I was reading through that, I was like, okay, well, that's like that's okay. That that does its justice, kind of. Um, but at the same time, you go back and you say, okay, well, this... This is, we're getting this from Anglo-Saxon. Um, and so what I think is important, so what we're going to do now, um, I did a word study on three different words um, because I think it's important to understand some of the root words, some of the Hebrew and some of the Greek. And so I'm just going to go back real quick and I apologize if this feels like a lecture class or something like that, but I really, really think um, that it's important to understand some of this original text concerning the term worship. And so I'm just going to kind of read through this. This is really good information and then we'll have some scriptures to kind of show um, what they're talking about and try to make that connection. Um, In the Old Testament, the primary term used in describing worship is Hebrew. And it's, I'm going to probably butcher this. It's Hishahowa, which occurs 172 times in the Old Testament. And in the King James Version, it translates 99 times as worship, 31 times as bow, the action bow, 18 times as bow down, 9 times as um, obeisance, and then 5 times as reverence, 3 times as fall down, and in very few um, various other terms other terms. So here's a couple examples. Genesis 24:52. We're going to throw these up here for you. Um, so this is more the action. So when Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed down. He bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. Uh, another one, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 3. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their face to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave their thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then the last one, Second Chronicles 29, 29. When the offering was finished, the king and all those who were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Okay, so what this is outlining is, is basically, this is the action of worship. So this word, uh, is like the act, the act of bowing down in, in reverence. Um, okay, and so the corresponding Greek word with that, some of you have probably heard this before, um, is proskuneho. Which, except for two instances, is used in the Septuagint to translate Hishahua. Proskaneho occurs 60 times in the New Testament and is always translated as worship. Strongs defines it as a kiss the hand to or towards one, in token of reverence among the Orientals, especially the Persians, to fall upon their knees, touch the ground with their forehead as an expression of profound reverence. In the New Testament, by kneeling or prostration... I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, to the homage to one, I just, I'm sorry. I just make sure I don't fumble over my words or to make obeisance, um, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication. Okay. And so this, this is like the corresponding Greek word to the, um, to the Hebrew word that we just went over. Um, and then another Greek word uh, that, I, that I did a word study on um, that is of interest and good understanding in, in um, when we're talking about the issue of worship is um, sebomai, which occurs ten times and is translated six of those times as worship, three times as devout, and once as religious. The meaning of sebomai is to hold in reverence or fear or in awe. It seems while proskuneho emphasizes the outward show, the action of reverence, Subomhai emphasizes the inward feeling of reverence and awe. But let it be stressed that for one to truly be in awe of God, to reverently fear him, there must be more than just inner feelings. We must worship him in specified acts that the Almighty has authorized, as it clearly points out in Matthew 15.9. So we're going to put that up. Matthew 15.9 says, um, where subomhai is used, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And so what this is saying is, is there is vain worship. There is such a thing as, as um, our worship not being accepted by God. Um, and so this kind of leads me um, to my first big point that we're going to dive into. Um, and it is, um, is any form of worship acceptable? Or do we have guidelines in scripture concerning the issue? Um, can, can I just do whatever feels good to me or whatever I think works? I've actually heard this before. Hey, like, I'm going to go up to the mountain. I'm going to skip out on church, uh, and I'm going to play around on the mountain. But like, I feel like I can worship when I'm up on the mountain, okay? Um, maybe. I'm not going to say no, definitely. Um, but you hear stuff like that. And I think, I think it's important for us to go, okay, um, what does this really look like? Are there guidelines? And so what we're going to do, we're going to dive in um, to John 4. And so I'm going to outline, here's what's happening in John 4. Um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this story. Jesus is, is going from, um, where is he going from? He's going from, to Galilee, uh, from Judea. And so they stop at Jacob's well as they're going through Samaria. And so he stops at this well, and he's, and he's thirsty, and the, dust, the, the disciples go ahead of him into town to get some food. Um, and so Jesus is sitting here at this well, and here comes this Samarian woman, the Samaritan woman. And he's like, hey... So I'm paraphrasing this. This is like my translation. Um, hey, I'm thirsty. Can you get me some water? And she's like, she's like, um, yeah. So they they engage in this conversation about water. And through that, he goes, he goes, look, like um, I offer a living water. Um, and those who drink um, of the water from this well, they will thirst again. But those who drink of the living water that I have, they will never thirst again. Um, and so they go through this whole conversation. And so we're going to pick it up um, at this part. And so she's like, she says, hey, well, can you tell me how I can get this living water? Um, and so we're going to pick it up, and we're going to actually read through this. Um, and this part, this part is great. So we're going to start in uh, John four sixteen, and we're going to read through 23. And I'm going to probably stop throughout. Uh, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. Um, and the woman said, answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I just want to stop for a second. I think this is great, because it's like, Jesus knows this already, but he's like, okay, I'm just going to call her out, Um, but there's purpose in this, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but sometimes, like, I think, as I'm thinking through this, I'm like, man, like, how much fun would it have been to like have this knowledge and know this stuff and just like to kind of call people out and know, and like know where their hearts are and just see if they're going to be honest or not with you like it just makes me laugh sorry, that's kind of a side note um, anyway, all right, so here we go so this is why this is why this is important um, because when he does that, she goes, "Wow, like I perceive um, I perceive that, that you're a prophet, and so uh, here we go she says've um, the woman said to him, sir." I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on, on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither this mountain nor, nor Jerusalem will be. Uh, will, will you worship the Father? And so this is important. What's happening here is a woman. She perceives that he's a prophet, and so she's got some questions about worship. And so what she's she's asking. She's it basically is saying, hey, um, so our forefathers say that we need to worship in the temple, but you're saying that we got to worship in Jerusalem. What's right? Like, what's going on here? Can you clear this up for me? Because you're a prophet. Um, and so that's why this, this is important. Um, and so they go on here, um, and he says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Neither this mountain nor Jerusalem um, will you worship the Father. Your worship, you, worship what, you worship not, you do not know. Um, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And so this is where we're at. This is what we're going to really kind of unpack this morning. Um, The hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So there's your guideline. When you say, okay, what does that need to look like? Am I a worshiper? How does that look? What's my worship... Are you worshiping in spirit? Are you worshiping in truth? And so, what does that mean? To spirit, it means to be completely like consumed by Him. That your thoughts are consciously um, like on God. That He's consuming you. Um, they outline this in, in Luke ten twenty seven. Um, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your what? Your mind. It's being consumed. Your thoughts. Everything about you is consumed by God. That's the spirit. To worship Him in spirit. You're thinking on him during that time, okay? And then truth. Remar Schultz says this about the truth. He says, reality and obedience. Worship and obedience go hand in hand. So as we continue, let's stick with my suggested definition of worship. Worship is the appropriate human response to the divine. We are created to worship God. That is our purpose. And using that definition, we can determine what a worshiper is. And if we stay close to my suggested definition of worship, we can find the definition of a worshiper. A worshiper is a person who fulfills the purpose of his existence before God. He was seeking worshipers who would worship him in spirit and in truth, for only their worship is acceptable to God. Only those whose lives are in harmony with God will, with God's will are worshipers, pleasing to God. Only their worship is genuine and giving glory. And so... Um, so what, what he's saying here, um, he kind of, to just kind of back up a little bit, he's talking about obedience in worship. And so we're going to kind of draw the connection between those a little bit. And to do that, um, we're going to bring up Genesis 4, 3 through 7. And everybody knows this story too, Cain and Abel, right? As far as we can tell, the first mention of, of worship, not the actual word worship, but the mention of the act of sacrifice, the act of worship, um, the first mention in scripture, this is it, the story of Cain and Abel. Okay, and so Genesis 4, 3-7, In the course of the time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil, and as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. This part is good. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Cain wasn't obeying. He wasn't living in obedience. Um, He thought that he was worshiping, but he wasn't living in obedience. And so God didn't look on it with favor. Um, Another story. You guys know this one. King Saul. Uh, We're going to go to 1 Samuel 15. So here's what's going on here. Um, Samuel, the prophet Samuel comes. Um, to Saul And, and God speaks it to Samuel and says, look, like I want to give my anointing on Saul as the king. Um, and so go and do that. Um, and then he comes and he says, but you need to let him know this. Um, the Amalekites, when, when my people were coming up out of Egypt, the Amalekites like waylaid us. And so it's payback time, basically. And so he tells Saul, he says, tell Saul to go to the Amalekites to kill every man, every woman, every infant, every animal, the king, everything. Destroy them wipe them out. Nothing is left. Okay, and so Saul's like, all right, I got this. So he gets all of his, all of his guys together, and they go out, and they're all equipped, and they go down, and they go through, and, and they're killing everybody. Um, but what happens? He saves King Agag, right? And then he saves, like, the best, like, the firstborn, the fatty calves, um, because they want to sacrifice those as worship to God. And so we're going to pick up, uh, we're going to read through this again. I realize this is a lot of uh, scripture I'm throwing at you this morning, Um, but hang with me. Okay, 17 through 22, Samuel said, although you were once small in your eyes. So this is when Saul comes back, and Samuel approaches him. Um, Samuel says, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And so here's Saul, and he goes, but I did obey the Lord. Um, Saul said, I went on a mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, and this, this is it, this is it. If you get nothing else this morning, this is it right here. Samuel replied, does the Lord delight more in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? For to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. I don't know whether or not Saul genuinely thought that he was doing the right thing, by sparing Agag to show God's mercy and and by bringing back um, the animals so that they could sacrifice. I I don't know if that was like a cop-out. If he's like, you know how our children are. Those of you who have children, it's like, hey, did you do this? Yeah, but. And then they try to put like a positive spin on it. So you're like, oh, well, in that case, it's okay. Um, That may have been it. I think he was kind of spinning a little bit when Samuel approached him. Um, Here's the thing. I realized um, what I went through was was a lot of scripture um, in a really short amount of time. Um, and here's my point. I fear that in our culture, we've made worship about something completely different um, than what it's supposed to be about. Um, I'm the first to admit, I do it. I get caught up. Um, as I struggle through um, can, like this, this progressive like figuring out where I'm at and this process and, and growing in my ability as, as a worship leader, Um, and doing things like that, like I struggle through some of this stuff. And so this week, like I was kind of rocked, um, because I think for some of us and for a lot of us, myself included, we've made worship about something that tickles our ear or, or a good feeling, um, that we get. Um, I think it's really important to realize that this, this issue of worship has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. Um, and it has nothing really, honestly, even to do with music. Music is, is, a, is an avenue that we use. Um, there's a lot of different things, and we're going to go over that in a few minutes. Um, but this morning, um, the thing that I want us to get is that um, I think that we've made worship about something more, um, about something else than the heart of, of God and where it needs to be, um, and loving Him and worshiping Him in spirit and in truth and consuming ourselves and our minds and our thoughts on Him and not what's going on around us, not the safe things, um, not the comfortable things, because I don't think that God always calls us to be comfortable, um, but to be consumed by God um, and what he's doing and how he's active in our lives um, and around us. And so um, I want to share a story with you really quick, and then I asked Eric um, and Elise um, to sing this song. Um, I am want to share the story about this song called Heart of The Heart of Worship. We've done it in the past. Um, it's, an, it's an awesome song, um, but the story behind it, is even greater. And so here's what happened. Matt Redmond is the name of the guy who wrote the song. He's a a popular worship leader. Um, And this is back in the early 90s. He wrote this song. And um, in his church that he was serving at, they really were getting caught up with these other things that I'm talking about. They were making worship um, something other than what it really is, what we've been talking about this morning. They made it about their lights and their really cutting-edge sound system, which we're talking early 90s, so I realize. Uh, oh, you know, and they were making it about all these different things. Um, and their pastor comes and says, look, like we're missing it. Like, because we're coming with this attitude of, hey, what, what can I get out of, out of this this morning? Instead of, hey, what can I bring to God this morning? How can my life worship and exude his love and his joy and his glory today? Um, and, so, and so what they did is they took a break at this church. They said, all right, for this season... Which I, th- which I think was, um, was a quarter of the year, they were done. Like, they didn't do music. They came, they came together and they just sang a cappella because they had different people um, that were just so caught up in, in, in the show and the lights and all that was going on. They had different people caught up in, you know, this new kind of movement of music that they were doing and people caught up and wanted to do some of the older stuff and they just found, like, this bickering among themselves. And so they just, they just blew the whistle on it. They said, we're done. Like, we're not doing it for three months. We're not doing worship for four months. That's a quarter. Four eight. They don't have. I was telling. I was hanging out with people last night. They don't do math at the Bible college I went to. And so sometimes I gotta stop and like, uh, it's it's tough. It, it's painful sometimes. Okay. Um, and so they 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 blew the whistle. They called it quits. And they didn't do music. They didn't have it at all. They got together and slowly the story says if you go and look it up online, slowly like people would start kind of chiming in and like they didn't have anything. They would just start singing a cappella, just praises to God. And and slowly and slowly, um, until finally like. This outpour and this crying out from their hearts to God, just this beautiful sound of, of just vocal worship started happening and springing up in their church and everybody was doing it. And then at the point, um, at that point, they go, okay, all right, we can reintroduce this, but there's some intentional things that we got to do to figure out that we're doing okay. Uh, but they got back to the heart of worship. And so that's the name of the song. Um, and I'm going to have them sing it this morning um, because it's a beautiful song, and, and Matt Redman wrote this song out of response um, to that event that happened. And so, um, I just want to encourage you while they while they do this song, um, to just just worship. And and if you just need to sit and just think about that, think about the glory of God, and think about the implications of His love. Let your spirit be consumed by the Spirit this morning um, as they sing this song. So I want to share a story with you. And then um, we're going to kind of do an extended response time uh, this morning. Um, So here's a story. Um, One of the most beautiful worship responses that I've seen um, just in the recent past. Um, So for the last several weeks, we've been talking with with our boys, uh, with with Noah and Eli, um, about about this time of year and giving and how there's probably a lot of other kids that don't have a warm bed and that don't have toys and maybe don't even have, like, all the food in the world that they need. Um, and so this has kind of been an ongoing battle because, when, like, when we first approach it with them, like, their response is, oh, but those are my toys, and so if I don't have them anymore, then then I don't have toys. I'm like, okay, but, you know, let's get past that. And so it's just been, like, this, this struggle, and, and every night, you know, every day we'll talk about it with them. Um, and for those of you who don't know which one Noah is, um, he's he's kind of, like, the one that likes to, you know, beat everything up, and then Eli, our littlest one, he's like our emo child, and you often find him wanting to play the drums as soon as church is over, um, but Noah, our oldest one, he's four years old, um, and so he, he's really the one that really was struggling with this, and so um, he had all these questions and all these thoughts, and every night we talked about it, and I could just see him, like in his spirit, just struggling through that, um, and then on Thanksgiving, uh, we were over in Canyon City um, at at my wife's uh, grandmother's house for dinner and everybody was there and my brother-in-law um, he, he has this new girlfriend and and he brought her and her mother and then her mother has a little boy also he's probably uh, five or six his name is Angel um, and he's he's got a severe case of cerebral palsy he's in a wheelchair um, he can't speak he responds like he, he'll smile like he'll kind of laugh uh, but he can't talk um, he can't move he's got a feeding tube um, and so they brought him, and they, and they lay him down on this couch. And so all of, of course, all of our kids and, you know, my boys and their cousins, they're over there, like, looking at this. They're, like, checking him out, and they're like, man, like, this is different. We haven't seen anything like this before. So, of course, at first, there's a whole lot of questions about this. And what what is this? What's all about this? so we Well, you know, he can't talk to you, but go, go talk to him because he can hear you. You know, and he'll respond, and he'll smile. Uh, but he won't, he won't be able to talk back to you. Um, and so they're all over there and kind of taking interest and soon they all start to kind of lose interest and they all go away uh, but Noah, Noah stayed there and Noah's sitting there next to this little boy and he starts singing Jesus loves me to him and that was the first time um, I was like wow um, my boy's got such a tender heart and so um, a few nights later, I just sat there and I was just like, oh my goodness like like that was the first time that I saw like really saw God like stirring his heart um, And so a few nights later we're, we're back we're back here um, and it's bedtime and every night we get together and we, we all go around and we all pray um, and and we're talking about this again about you know little, little kids and, and things like that and how we need to go through and, and give some of their toys away and um, and do some different things like that, and save up some money so we can like buy a chicken for kids in Africa. Um, and so, so we're talking about this, and, and Noah's just sitting there, and he's, and he's silent. And Eli's kind of mumbling through stuff, and, and Noah's just sitting there silent. I'm like, Noah, what's wrong, buddy? Like, you haven't said anything. What's up? And he just starts bawling. And he just breaks out in tears. And he's just crying. And so I just hold him. I hug him. I was like, What's wrong, buddy? He goes. I just feel like my heart is broken because there's kids that don't have a warm bed and there's kids that don't have a pellet stove. He loves our pellet stove. Um, and there's kids that don't have toys and sometimes they can't eat. And I just feel like my heart is broken for them. And that, that was so beautiful to me. But what was even more beautiful is instead of staying there, instead of just saying, like, like having a broken heart and just being upset about that, the way that he responded in prayer It was his time to pray. And he said, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me people that maybe I can help. And it was just the most, like, honest, simple, little four-year-old child's prayer. But I was blown away. um, Because sometimes, sometimes I'm not there. Sometimes I, sometimes I don't care. And it's wrong. Um, But there was a beautiful worship response because it responded to what God was doing in him. And that prayer was so amazing and so beautiful to me. Um, and so this morning, we're going to have a time to respond. Um, and there's going to be a few different options. Um, one option, of course, we're going um, to have communion here in a few minutes. Um, but what's going to happen is the band's just going to play, um, just instrumentally. Um, and instead of, at first, instead of us putting up lyrics to a song and letting that dictate where your mind goes in worship, we're going to put up a single word on the screen, okay? And, and maybe it's a characteristic of God or maybe it's something else, uh, but we're just going to put a single word up on the screen. And during this time, just respond and let that word, let your worship flow with, to God and, and be consumed by God and that characteristic of him. And just focus on him and meditate and pray. Here's a couple different options. We have a prayer board back here in this corner. That's what the big black thing is. Um, and there's, there's uh, blank cards and there's pens. If you have a prayer request, um, or if you just want to go back there and look at the requests that are already up there, which is one right now, um, and, and just pray. Spend time in prayer. Spend time responding like my son did and just pray. Um, another response. Um, another response, of course, um, Is is singing um, here in a few minutes? When they do start to sing, Um, another response inside of your um, inside of your bulletin that you got. There's a blank card with lines on it. Um, Something that I find awesome to just sit down and just reflect on the character of God and just reflect on Him and as I'm worshiping, is just to write down my thoughts, to write down where my heart's at at that moment. And so you'll have a card in there. If you don't have a pen, um, up here on the sides, and we can we can pass these out. we got a bunch of pens. So if you would like to do that, if you just want to sit and just write or pray where you're at or pray at the prayer board, um, I encourage you to do that. And then after a few minutes, they're going to go in and do a couple songs. And at that point, if you'd also like to respond, um, if you're a believer, um, we're going to observe the Lord this morning in, in, um, in our communion um, and, and drinking of, of the, um, his blood and, and eating um, his flesh this morning and what that looks like, okay? And so if that's you, then there's also that way to respond. I'll be up here. Um, if somebody needs to come forward, I'll be up here for prayer as well um, if you'd like to talk through this and you're chewing on this or whatever's going on. So um, so we're going to start. We're just going to throw a word up, and they're just going to kind of play around. I just want to encourage you during this time. Um, to worship Him in spirit and in truth.